From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection this hour was made at CPAC 2023, the Conservative Political Action Conference. This year's event brought out a list of 2024 presidential contenders, and the list is getting longer now. Of course, Donald Trump was there. He's running. He was there musing about how easy it would be for Russia to blow up NATO headquarters and claiming that if the United States didn't put him back in the White House, the world would literally end. Just normal stuff. People seem to like that. But beyond Trump, some of the younger contenders brought their messages. Candidates like Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. The former South Carolina governor is vying to become the first woman elected president in this country, and she believes she can do it. She says her party has to pick itself up and get past the last six or seven years and make a decision about the direction it wants to go. Meanwhile, a new release of documents shows that some of the leading conservative commentators seem to be hoping for the same thing. Fox's Tucker Carlson in private text said that he hates Donald Trump, wants to get past it, says an honest assessment shows that that presidency produced nothing good. But if Tucker Carlson's had enough, it's worth wondering where the party is about to go. The polls for the moment show Donald Trump leading, Ron DeSantis gaining, and other candidates trying to carve a path. It's a long way to Iowa and New Hampshire, but as Governor and Ambassador Haley says, that party is going to decide its direction over the next year. And we've asked some local conservative leaders to join us to talk about it. David Dunning is chair of the Monroe County Republican Committee. David, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. And Aaron Baker's vice chair of the Monroe County Republican Committee. Welcome here. Nice to nice to see you in studio. Great here, to Aaron. see you. It's Thank been a little you. while. Mark Cassini's back with us, a former Gatestown supervisor and the Republicans candidate for Monroe County Executive. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Evan. Hugs and kisses. And I'm, every time there's a candidate on this program, we always say, uh, whether there's primaries or generals to come, all opponents have the option to join us. We think it's better to have candidates on the air more and not less, but we always offer equal time here. Um, so let me ask our guests for some general thoughts about how they sort of see the landscape. Um, David, last time we talked, you said you think there's a lot of good things happening and a lot of good directions that your party can go. Is it coalescing in any way that you see right now? Oh, I think I think uh, we're, we're doing very well. Uh, the Monroe County Republican Committee uh, is is certainly on a and a great rebound right now we've had some uh, years that haven't been so great uh, but we've uh, we've picked up some momentum things good things are happening with us here locally and I think uh, at the national level what's happening out there I think there's some positive things uh, with uh, with some of our alternate uh, presidential candidates uh, will give us do some... you mean do you mean non-trump presidential candidates I will be yes I'm saying okay. non-trump presidential candidates I'm on the record I'm going on the record as saying that you yes. wouldn't do it last time David you said whoever it's gonna be it's gonna be great it sounds like you want to see the party move on now I do I do and much like in Monroe County um, you know we've we've had some questionable leadership over the past five or six years um, and it's time to to you know buckle down get get down to grassroots and, and get back to the, the message of the Republican Party and get our group back together working together Aaron how do you see it uh, I, I echo what the what chairman Dunning just said uh, you know it's exciting to see uh, politically in the national landscape you know the direction that the party's going and and I, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that on this International Women's Day, um, you know, our party does have a significant number of women that are really coming up to the surface and wanting to engage, uh, you know, the electorate and, and wanting to run for some of these major, major seats. So it is exciting to see. Okay. Marcusini, what do you see? Two words. Nikki Haley. Right, this is what you did last time. You're going to do it again. 
Yeah, I'm excited. I, uh, I've said uh, that I think it's time that we, the Republican Party, specifically breaks the glass ceiling and puts a uh, capable, dynamic leader in the White House. I think Nikki Haley would be that leader. I think we've got some sound from CPAC. Do we have it, Rob? Let's listen to some of what Nikki Haley had to say this weekend. Real national unity comes from boldly proclaiming our national purpose. It comes from standing on principle and persuading opponents to stand with us, like I did when I was governor and when I was ambassador. I'll take this message far and wide in the days ahead. But I have a particular message for you, my fellow conservatives. We've lost the popular vote in the last seven out of eight presidential elections. Our cause is right, but we have failed to win the confidence of a majority of Americans. That ends now. If you're tired of losing, put your trust in a new generation. And if you want to win, not just as a party, but as a country, then stand with me. I'm here to ask for your vote, but I want something else even more. I want us to inspire our country again. Together, we can summon our fellow citizens to look past the failed ideas and leaders from Washington and find the courage to be part of the solution. What do you hear there, Marcusini? Everything I want to hear. I think she is 100% correct. We have to bring the country together. The country is so divided right now, it breaks my heart. You can't even have a reasonable discussion when you have two different um, ideologies in the room together. And that's a shame. It didn't used to be like that. So Nikki Haley is right on that. And I think we should be looking to inspire and uh, and push Americans uh, uh, back together instead of having them so divided as they are today. David, Nikki Haley, how do you feel about her candidacy? I, I feel good about her candidacy. And quite frankly, you know, there's been an old saying that says, behind every good man is a great woman. And I, and I fully believe that. And I think in this case, what I'd really love to see in this is a Nikki Haley, Christy Nome ticket. Two I'd like women. to see two women at the top of the leadership here. Governor of South, South, South Dakota? Dakota? South Dakota, yes. Yeah. yeah. Although she hasn't put her hat in the ring, um, I, I hope that she may give that consideration. Um, but, you know, there's two two things that, that, that um, Nikki said in, in that statement, that, that new generation and inspire. Those are the two things that we really need to, to embrace, the two philosophies. We have a new generation of Republicans coming up and conservatives coming up that we need to embrace and inspire. And we need to inspire our voter, our, uh, voter base out there um, to, to support our candidates, support the Republican philosophy and where we're going. Aaron, how do you see her candidacy? Oh, I like it. I mean, I, I've always... Uh, thought Nikki Haley was very capable. Um, I will also say that I, I'm a big uh, Christy Nome uh, fan as well. I had a chance to uh, meet Governor Nome uh, at the state convention down on Long Island uh, last year. Um, and the things that she's done in her state in South Dakota have been uh, absolutely impressive and remarkable. I don't think um, we can lose with either one of them. Um, I really believe uh, either either candidate is is a very very viable candidate for for president. Uh, Nikki Haley there is indicating that it's time for a new generation of leadership. She talked about getting younger. Um, it certainly appears, by all accounts, now that President Biden is going to run for re-election. I think he just turned eighty. Just turned eighty. I mean, he's going to be in his eighties. He would be the oldest elected president. Donald Trump is 
not far from 80. Um, Aaron, do you think there is a, I, let me let me put it this way. I always want to be careful not to be ageist. I think great ideas and great leadership can happen at any age, <laughs> essentially. I also think there are people who are in their 80s and 90s who are fresher and sprier than I meet some people in their 50s and vice versa. That being said, I understand that when, say, it's a political party, um, overlooks the kind of the process of seeding to the next generation. If you skip a generation, this is something that the writer Anand Girdardis has written about with the Democrats. He feels like, no offense to the Nancy Pelosi's and Joe Biden's and Chuck Schumer's of the world, but they've skipped a generation. Are you worried that your party could do that if there isn't a, a change now? In other words, if you go back to Donald Trump, you've got Mitch McConnell in a position of leadership, you've got a lot of the same faces. Would it be a missed opportunity not to get younger now? Oh, I think I think any opportunity is a missed opportunity. You know, you where I see the face of this party, and 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 we've been seeing it even as uh, even last year with our congressional race in Laron Singletary. Um, you know, we are looking at a younger uh, group of people that are coming up in the party ranks um, that want to participate in in the election process, uh, that want to be our next leaders. Um, so when you're talking about, you know, younger candidates like, you know, 40-year-olds like Laurent Singletary or even, you know, myself uh, as a as a 50-year-old, you know, person, you know, the the party is, in my opinion, starting to trend a little bit younger, and which is encouraging for people like me and, and my, um, my sons, my daughter, you know, just looking at them and finding out where, you know, the, the direction that they want to go. You know, with this, and and they're very much engaged with the with the political process and seeing what's going on. So I do think, um, to your point about you know, is this a missed opportunity? Um, I don't know if it's a missed opportunity, but it is an opportunity. David, is it ageist to focus on Biden and Trump's age if they're the candidates again? <laughs> um, I, I, I like you. I don't. I don't want to pick on older people because I agree with you 100. percent I've got neighbors that are in their mid 80s that still go out and shovel their driveways after a snowstorm. They're very. They're very sharp. They're very bright. I have a cousin who loves your show, by the way, who's probably <laughs> listening right now. So I say hello, number one. But she's listening right now, and I got to tell you, it, it, in her early 90s, she is sharp as a tack. Still drives. Still gets out and about. Does things. So I think. I think you know it's it's a tough call, but I think you have to look at the person and it and who where they are at that age. Um, and you know me, I'm 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 in my mid sixties, so um, I guess I'm I'm closely approaching probably one of those ages type uh, elected officials. Uh, but uh, um, I think it all depends on where they're at, where the where the person's mind at, what their what their function is, and how they're able to function. In the case of these two presidential candidates, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I think it's time to step aside and let a younger generation uh, take over. Mark Cassini, is it ages to focus on the candidate's age? Well, I'll tell you that I work with uh, board members at American Rock Salt. Um, a couple of them are in their 80s. A couple of them are just about 80. And they are some of the brightest, most talented people, even at this uh, stage of life, that I know. So uh, age is just a number. It depends on the person. As far as new leadership is concerned, I think it is time for new leadership. I think part of the problem in the United States is that we have been so divided by partisan politics, and I think that's one of the concerns I have with uh, Donald Trump running again is the divide that will create. 
And I think to some degree, uh, Joe Biden uh, becomes a bit partisan at times. And I think we need new leadership to pull the country back together. I can't stress it enough. We are so divided as a nation. You cannot stand uh, under these circumstances as a nation for any period of time. You just can't. It's, it's, we have to come together. Um, let me get some, some feedback. Uh, Charles writes to say, the federal government exists to defend the border and facilitate commerce between the states. That's it. That's all I want to hear. Nearly every issue is best handled at the local level, so any national plans that don't involve maximizing individual liberty and free enterprise are irrelevant. What do you think, Marcusini? Well, I think there's a little more to the federal government than that. But, but uh, you know, I understand his point. Uh, less government is better. Stay out of my life. Let my local governments uh, do what they need to do for local services and do the least you possibly need to do. But federal government is a little more than those two issues. Yeah, but, but, but let me build on Charles' question. Let me ask all three of you. What does it mean? What does conservatism today mean to you, Mark? What, what does it mean to be a conservative in 2023? It means making sure you respect the fact that you're managing people's money. And you may have your own opinion on how you should spend it but it should be spent specifically for the purposes of providing services that the private sector can't provide to the community. I don't want to get any broader than that, but that's the basic philosophy. And when it comes to uh, social issues, um, I think that's one of the big divides that we have in this country. And I think conservatives need to take a step back a little bit. And again... Um, step back from social issues? No. It, when I say step back. We need to take a step back and try to figure out how to bring the country back because a lot of these social issues have divided us as a nation and we've got to figure out um, where maybe we should not be pushing so hard and maybe where we can do better. Or maybe at least approach issues in a way that isn't just about social media point scoring, but actually seeking to air differences in substantive ways. Uh, I would. That's probably said a little better than I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just following your lead there. David, what does it mean to be a conservative in 2023? I think Mark captured part of it with the uh, understanding that we represent people and, and, and the people's money. Everything comes back to money and what's coming out of the pocket of the people. And we need to be, be responsible for that and how that happens. It also means to me that we, uh, we are constitutionalists. We, we follow the Constitution. Um, we're not looking to separate from the Constitution, change the Constitution, or do anything differently out of that. And I think that's a, that's a big part of being a conservative is, is, is following what our forefathers laid down is what this country should be all about. And I also think it has a lot to do with regulation. Um, I think there's a lot of things out there in the uh, on the liberal platform, the socialist platform, that take away, you know, to a point you were making uh, just a minute ago uh, about the federal government, you know, taking away the rights of the states, taking away the rights of the counties, taking away the rights of the towns. All those things, to me, are wrong. I think everybody has their place and has their thing to do. And I think also with conservatism, uh, we, we really... Um, we just need we, we need to get rid of a lot of regulation, a lot of government government control over a lot of things we do is just wrong. What's an example, David? Well, uh, you know, I think when we, you know, and it's going to be unpopular, but I think when we got into the whole COVID situation and the forced mandate, or for what happened with with the vaccines with everybody, and all the healthcare workers that we lost, and some uh, law enforcement officers and, and and other firefighters and people that we lost that that were were instrumental to the, to our survival here in, in anywhere in this country that 
having these mandates and losing these people was was it just it was wrong. And we're okay to argue that my body, my choice when it came to abortion. But if I wanted to argue my body, my choice when it came to a vaccine, it was like, no, you you can't make that decision. Um, and and I have I, I had problems with that. And I think that's one of the things that where the government steps in regulation over business, even at the state level, the state hands down a regular regulates uh, over business, I think, creates a lot of problems for for business for industry um there's there's small businesses out there that are are struggling with some of the taxes that they have to pay and the reg- hoops they have to jump through to to run their business and and run a good business not something that's going to harm people but i just think we're, we're and we're we're way overregulated okay aaron what's it mean to be a conservative well and and i i'm looking at what what both these gentlemen are saying because i mean you've got three people right now uh on this show that you know have backgrounds in town government, you know, one being a former supervisor, one being a current supervisor, and another being a current town board member. I just came back from New York City. The Association of Towns, excuse me, just had their annual conference down there. And you had towns from all across New York State, large, small, uh, from all sorts of political uh, persuasions, and overwhelmingly, uh, the topic of conversation at the conference this year was uh, New York State's um, trying, you know, the, the sentiment was New York State trying to take away home rule from, from towns. Uh, and, you know, we're looking at uh, things that the governor's proposed about housing, and, and, you know, we can talk in another show about all that, but... You know, it's it's you had Democrats and Republican town supervisors, town board members united in saying, no, you know, town government, you know, we should be able to govern our own towns. Um, And so going back to what, you know, both Mark and David are saying, um, you know, they say politics is local. You know, so so is government. You know, government's local. It should be in the hands of of your local elected representatives to do what's best for their constituents. So conservatism, a, a framework of some commonality, but as much localized freedom as possible. Yes. Okay. Um, so uh, let me get back to phone calls, emails. A lot of people, at, we're going to get talk about Ron DeSantis. People are asking about Ron DeSantis. We'll get there. So I know that name hasn't even come up yet. He's, Is he running? Yeah. I, I said in 2016, the next president was going to be Marco Rubio. So I'm wrong about everything. <laughs> I do think he's the next president. I'm wrong about everything. But anyway, uh, we'll get there in a second. Keith on the phone next. Hi, Keith. Go ahead. I have an interesting show. Uh, Listening to these gentlemen saying how they want the Republican Party to be younger and go in a different direction. But you got three old white guys. Uh, You couldn't find any younger women that, that could come on with you. You mentioned about you don't want government control, but the Republicans have to be in the uh, OBGYN office determining what a woman can get, uh, what kind of health care she can get on a national level. And then you say you want to leave uh, local control to uh, local or you want control to local government, which is another name for NIMBY, which means if Pittsburgh wants to continue without low income housing, the the state can't force them or at least incentivize them. You want younger people, but you want the same old stuff in place. Keith, I appreciate the call. Well, let me let me address the. the, Hold on, Aaron and I are close to the same age, but anyway. (laughs) And and, and, does does 
I, Keith can't see us, but uh, you know, I, I consider myself uh, a new face of the of the Republican Party. I, I am not white, Keith. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am one hundred percent Native American, uh, and so it's 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 nice to see the a little bit of uh, color brought back to the to the Big Ten Party, and and I'm and I'm proud to be a Republican. What is your Native heritage? Uh, I am one hundred percent Sioux. So and fifty years old. And 52 years 52 old. 52 years old. Yeah. Okay. We're not that far. Uh, but <laughs> David, Mark, Keith's larger point is, though, he's saying you're, you're not as diverse as you're claiming is part of what Keith well, is saying. One of, one of the issues with, with, that we have with diversity is people stepping up to, to come in. Our doors are open. They're wide open. If someone wants to come in and they, they want to join us, we're, we're, we're a welcoming party. Um, we do have uh, quite a few people of color. We have a lot of women that have gotten engaged with us. We've got young people from the Young Republicans, which is a, is, it's a nationally recognized organization. They're with us. And we have the old goats like me, I guess. Um, you know, I, all right. Full disclosure, Keith, I'm 66 years old. I'm not that old. I may be gray, and, and, but, but I'm not that old. But but you well, wanna, wait, 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 you got to want to get more diverse, don't you? Absolutely, we oh, want to get more diverse. Yeah. I, I will say first of all, we talked on a national level that we have some very talented women that are running for president. On a local level, you've just heard Aaron, who's one hundred percent Native American, and we have on our ticket here countywide Sandra Dorley, Christine Adimo Vasquez. We have numerous women running for county legislature. I couldn't add them all up. I don't know off the top of my head. but There's five of them. Yeah, so we have five. We already have uh, women in the county legislature now. I don't know. That seems to me well, that's pretty split with our county ticket. Don't forget the town boards, and we've had women as the town supervisors. Um, so, so, so we do, you know. Last year we had uh, a, a, a congressional candidate that was African-American. Uh, I would go back and say, uh, maybe that's not a fair statement. You you know, the, your party's not as diverse as the Democrats, is it? Though I mean, it, just looking at the actual numbers, it, right? I mean, like it, that's that's not all that controversial, right? Now, the I just told you what the countywide. Uh, I no no I know I hear you, but I, we don't have to, we don't have to debate the Democrat the, the the demographics. It's just numbers. Across the country, uh, Latinos as a group are moving more conservative. They remain voting more left than right, but they are moving more conservative. African-Americans are moving slightly more conservative, massively voting to the left. Again, though, uh, you know, demographic – we could talk about demographic. Let me go to another point, too, about uh, state mandates. You were asking about federal mandates, and I gave you my thoughts on those. on the state level, what he referred to is basically telling towns of Gates and Arondequoit they can't build. We don't have any more spaces to build homes that the state is going to come in and it's going to redefine your master plans. We are going to tell you how your zoning is going to be. That is invasive. That is about as um, government icky as you get. You're telling communities, we are going to dictate to you what your zoning will be, whether you like it or you don't. There's going to be legal challenges. We understand that. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't suspect that, that will go very but, long with that. But specifically with Gates and Arondequoit yeah. and other towns can tell you the same. 
they're not going to be able to meet those standards. So basically the state is coming in and saying, we're going to take over your local zoning. Oh, well, you don't like it? Too bad. I don't know that the governor would characterize it exactly that way, but... That's what will happen. That You think that's what will happen. Um, and it sounds like, David, as a supervisor, you feel the same. I do. Um, having had a very nice conversation, we have a monthly supervisors meeting, and we did invite two of our uh, state legislators in to discuss this proposal uh, with us. And um, the two of them, one was a Republican, one was a Democrat. I won't mention who they were, but uh, both were opposed to this uh, legislation. Um, and and I, it, my understanding of the legislation is um, uh, that in this in this package, that if we don't meet this 1% threshold of right. growth based on our current uh, housing market, right? If we don't meet that 1% of growth and we, by a certain time, then we will no longer be able to turn away an affordable housing project. So when an organization comes in with an affordable housing project, we can't say no to them. They can build basically, so the zoning for that particular project goes away. They can build it in an industrial area. They can build it in a residential area. They can build it in a commercial area. We wouldn't be able to stop that. And it would, it, so it takes away some, some things for us. And I will say Mark is absolutely right. When he talks about Gates and Arondequoit and there's other communities out there, they're built out. Where are they going? So what do they no what do they go. take away? What do they do differently? I mean, For me and Chiline, we, we, we'll meet that threshold I think planners probably would say by, density, in, in a month up. or two. De right? They would say build up from where you are, no? Well, but, but shouldn't that be determined by the people that live in the community and not somebody not sitting Albany? Not somebody sitting in Albany exactly. saying, this is what you shall do. Exactly. That I get entirely. And that's why I think there's going to be a legal challenge if there's not already. That's you guys probably know more the about the difference that between a conservative and a non-conservative. People we do move. not believe you should be dictating to people from on high how they should live. This has been this way for over 100 I really, years. I don't, I want, we don't want to spend the hour on housing policy, we, we, as we, interesting we, as it is. We could do that easily I know here. We right, could. Right, and, and, and actually, this is something. I will say this. David, in your capacity as a supervisor, we should come back on a different day and let's explore this more. More than happy to. We're going to invite uh, people like Bill Smith. Uh, we'll invite Brett Garwood back from Home Leasing because Brett on this program had some very different views as to why this is happening. And Brett's, I, I don't want to speak for him. I think what Keith is saying is he may understand the home rule argument as the, the conservative argument. But I think he would say there are some towns that kept people out with restrictive covenants, et cetera, for a long time and tried to concentrate wealth. And now they don't want low, people from lower income backgrounds and they're exclusionary. And this is a way to try to make it more equitable. So I think that's where Keith's mindset is. And I, and I get that. Okay. But if you live in a subdivision where you have a vacant lot next to you and a developer comes in and says, I want to put an apartment there. You've invested in your home. You have a master plan that shows this is where residential should go. This is where commercial should go. This is where multi-resident should go. We tried to plan this out. We've worked hard as a community, neighbors, volunteering on these boards to make sure we lay out the, the subdivisions correctly. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in and goes, you know what? We're going to put an apartment complex at the end of your neighborhood street right next to your empty lot. And you're and, saying but, towns have to, have to have a right to say no. If they have a right to say no, it makes no sense. First of all, the infrastructure is going to be impacted. Traffic is going to be impacted. Uh, you bought your home because you assumed that when you made the investment that you were going to be in a residential neighborhood, and all of a sudden you've got somebody dictating to you, 
nah, you know what? You're no longer in a residential well, neighborhood because the, I said so. The other thing here, too, Evan, I just want to point out then to, to your point, the one thing that the, the state government does, the federal government does, is they punish everybody for the faults of a few. So we may have some communities here in, in Monroe County, right, and probably across New York State that really have pushed hard against affordable housing in their my town, Chilai, is not one of them. We just had a beautiful new site built in Chilai, and it's and, and we love it. We love to have it. We welcome them in there. So there are places that are are perfectly willing to welcome it in there, but they're going to punish. They want to punish me too, because of the 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 faults of other places. And that's you know that's how the state and federal government operate. Gates has Creran Commons. And I was a supporter of Green Rain Commons. I did not know this was all going to be about housing policy. Well, <laughs> it, just, it goes you back. You opened that door. Uh, <laughs> or Keith opened the Keith, door. Maybe. Yeah. Let, let me read an email from Roger. This could have been written by my father, but this is the second email, <laughs> second email this week from Roger. Roger says, hi, Evan, once again, small C conservative here. I admit my dream presidential candidate is Jeff Flake, who's been chased out of my party. Adam Kinzinger would be great. Will Hurd, Larry Hogan. What confuses me is that my fellow Republicans are not supporting small-c conservatives. Why aren't they standing on the rooftops, telling Trump to go home, demanding our party get back to its roots? We haven't truly been about small government since maybe the 80s, when I first got interested in politics. And we're the party trying to block support for Ukraine or winking at Putin and Russia. Meanwhile, the Democrats bumble along like they always do, and we have a big open opportunity to grow our base. Instead, we're obsessed with fake stolen elections, worshiping cults of personality, and inflicting cruelty on illegal immigrants. I'm embarrassed. We can't beat Joe Biden. Joe, and he writes in all caps, Joe Biden, with this approach, but we're just going to double down. Where have you gone, Rob Portman and Jack Kemp? I'll stop now. This is making me sad. That's an email from Roger. Okay. So Jeff Flake, I agree, Roger, is not coming out, off out of the sunset, I don't think. Um, I don't think um, I don't think Larry Hogan's going to run. I think he announced this weekend he's not. He's not running. He's not running. Um, Adam Kinzinger left Congress. I get it. Um, but he's saying a couple of things there. We're not really small C conservatives. We've, got, we've become obsessed with cults of personality, fake stolen elections. Let me go around the table. What do you think, Mark? Well, first of all, we have to look at the candidates that are coming forward if you're talking about the presidential election, and uh, we can only choose from those that have stepped forward. And uh, I've already told you my position is that uh, we need to move away from uh, the old-style, uh, divisive type of politics with Donald Trump. I'm supporting Nikki Haley. Um, as far as his other concerns relative to uh, you know, some of the issues that we faced yeah. and beating Joe Biden— um, again, it's it's all about leadership. We have to get the right candidate in order to make those things happen. You can't just will them to happen. You have to have a, a leader to bring those things forth. Roger also emailed earlier this week. He is someone who feels very strongly about patriotism, defending freedom, et cetera. He feels that the Republican Party is not doing enough for Ukraine. What do you see, Mark? On Ukraine, I think... Uh, we have to be very cautious about how we move on Ukraine. I think the Ukrainian people deserve our help and support. I think they are fighting a good fight. They were invaded. They did not attack Russia. And uh, I think they deserve our help. We have to be very cautious, though, uh, on trying to engage too much. Uh, because and, and this escalating? Could, this could escalate, and we do not need a, a, a world war. I think that uh, it'd be a mistake to think that Putin, who, in my estimation— um, is looking to rebuild the empire, uh, it'd be a mistake to think that Putin would not do some crazy things that would 
impact world security. He's already obviously done some crazy things, but to escalate it, I think, would be even worse. Okay. David, uh, what do you make of some of the, again, the, the people that Roger is mentioning are not running. Um, Rob Portman is not running. Larry Hogan's not running. Will Hurd's not running. But he's saying he's not seeing the Republican Party that he grew up with. What do you see? Oh, you know, we're, we're Monroe County. Nobody listens to us. Nobody at the, <laughs> nobody at the federal level is really going to care what Monroe County has to say about who the presidential candidates. We don't, we're not the ones that are going to step up and choose those people. We're not typically the ones that are going to come up there and present a candidate. Um, so it, it, I would love it if we could do something sure, like that. Sure, but, outstanding, but, but is, is your but, party small C? Do you think your party can be small C again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, the conservative party and the people who, who believe in conservative values uh, are of great value to us as the, as the Republican Party. Um, we would love to see more conservative candidates stepping up and saying, hey, we, we'd, li we'd like to run. We'd like to be a part of this and we'd like to run and we would embrace that. Um, you know, but at the federal level, when you start talking about presidential candidates, who's going to run for president, we have no, we have no voice in that whatsoever. Aaron, what do you see uh, in, in Roger's email there? I, I see a lot of good points that he brings up. I mean, you, you know, you want to talk about small C. <clears throat> um, I think small C is it's it's not a it's it's not a Republican, it's not a Democrat thing. I mean, uh, you look at uh, the candidacy of Laron Singletary last year for Congress. Um, you know, he he repeatedly said that he grew up in a in a Democrat household, but they were very very conservative. You know, they they. Um, had the importance of the father and the family, you know, just wait till your father comes home and, you know, you see what, you know, and uh, he said that, you know, growing up in, in his household, in a Democrat household, they were very conservative, both, you know, physically and, and also in, in some of their politics. So um, I think the small C transcends both parties, um, you know, for the Republicans, you know, we're here in Monroe County, you know, we're, we're engaging, um, a, a younger group of people. I, I look at my son, uh, who's you know 22, uh, graduated from SUNY Brockport. Um, he is very much a, a conservative uh, in the in the way that he wants government to stay out of his life. Let me do my thing. You know, you leave me alone. Let me do me, and and you know we'll we'll be fine. I'll pay my taxes, and I'll you know. That type of thing, and I think that's what you're seeing from a lot of younger younger people out there is they just they want to live their life, they want to be left alone. Kind of a libertarian streak, almost, hmm. almost. Um, you know, but he also realizes too, like you know, being a libertarian, you know, it, to engage in the political process, you know, you've you kind of have to, you know, jump over to to the GOP, you know, side of things. So, uh, but yeah, that's I, and a lot of his friends are like that too. Um, and I, I've been seeing it now for the last few years with, with my kids as they're growing, you know, getting older. Okay. After we take this only break, for the conservative listeners emailing me saying I'm anti-Ron DeSantis because we're not talking about DeSantis, if this table is the voting electorate, they're voting for Nikki Haley. I can't control what they're saying, but I'll ask them, why not Ron DeSantis, who uh, the betting markets really like right now? We'll talk about DeSantis and what his candidacy represents. Um, interestingly, as the field grows, as we see, uh, I mentioned Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, a number of other uh, possible candidates. Um, we'll talk on the other side of this break about, um, you know, this is a group of, of Republicans locally who do want to see the party move forward, who think it's a good time to do that. Not only get younger with leadership, but also maybe move beyond some of the the, the battles that have been fought for the last six, seven years. And 
One of the things we saw in 2016 was uh, conservative columnist Ross Douth that wrote for The New York Times in 2016. He thought Donald Trump couldn't win. And now he believes the reason Donald Trump did win is because the field was so big that he had a chunk of it. And then you had a very divided up, chopped up field. And Douth is saying, Nikki Haley, great. Tim Scott, great. But you better coalesce around somebody else who's not Trump. And if you got too many candidates, they're in trouble. So we'll, we'll talk about that and more with our guest, David Dunning, chair of the Monroe County Republican Committee. Aaron Baker is vice chair. Mark Cassini, former Gatestown supervisor and the Republicans candidate for Monroe County Executive. We're right back on Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Thursday on The Next Connections, the city of Rochester is like a lot of places that has youth sports opportunities and in some areas declining enrollment, declining numbers of kids who are signing up. Kids need structure, and we're going to talk about different organizations trying to help kids, especially disadvantaged kids, Thursday on Connections. This is Connections. Uh, different David, not David Dunning, asked me, where is the discussion on Ron DeSantis? Okay, so the governor of Florida is um, not only running, well, he's going to, I assume he's going to officially announce sometime soon, right, everyone? I mean, You would uh, assume. I mean, uh, is there anything you know that we don't know? He's running no. for president, isn't he? Okay. It, it would appear that way, but. I remember when. When Hillary Clinton was running in 2008 and George Will wrote in, in the Washington Post that Senator Barack Obama might be young, he might be in his first term, but if he doesn't run now, he might miss a window, that this is the time. George Will wrote the same thing about Chris Christie. Chris Christie didn't run and then probably spent the, has spent the rest of his career kind of thinking, wishing he would run earlier. So, <laughs> so a lot of... A lot, right. I mean, a lot of what goes on in politics is trying to find the right window in the right moment. And if you're just being logical, whether you like him or not, listeners, Ron DeSantis has a moment of capturing a lot of attention, a lot of support, and a lot of infrastructure, and a lot of the support of the people who tend to agree with the conservatives in this room who say, if the party's got to get past Trump, it's got to be now, let's go. Um, but the concern is, and I'll go back around the table, Aaron, you know, I've, I've heard doubt that another say, if we have too big a field, Trump is going to win again. And, I, you know, we need to be very careful with that. What do you think? Well, you know, you you brought up some in the break, uh, some good points with, you know, Trump in 2016. Uh, I, I will say that that I did support Trump in 2016, mostly because uh, I looked at his candidacy as someone, as a businessman, um, you know, putting his name on the front of a check and not on the back of one. And that's I wanted to give him a fair shot at seeing what he could do. Um, you know, he had a shot, you know, and, and he was president and how, how now go? he's going. Well, I, I think if you're looking at the accomplishments, purely accomplishments of what he said he was going to do and what he did, it was phenomenal. He, I mean, if, however you look at him as a person and his tweets and his Facebooks and well, all that stuff. Tweets, like, but, like being the first to not have a peaceful transition to power seems you know, significant. <laughs> But Come you know, I, but looking at his, looking at what he said he was going to do and and doing it, um, I think you have to say, yeah, he you know he he did what he said he was going to do, good, bad, or indifferent. But right? why, why not DeSantis now? I'm not saying not DeSantis. I, I know okay. uh, Mr. Rossini is is all about Nikki Haley. I, I certainly would love to see Nikki Haley, Christy Nome, um, you know, and, and and possibly Ron DeSantis. Um, there are some things about Mr. DeSantis that I really have to kind of do a little deeper dive in and, and, and looking at, you know, things. But 
from what he's been doing in Florida. Um, you know, I, I can't argue with with the accomplishments that he's managed to do down in Florida. So and people that live in Florida do seem to like him. So um, how that transcends from one state to 49 other states, uh, you know, remains to be seen. Well, Donald Trump wants to take credit for DeSantis getting elected. He might have won a narrow victory his first time. He won a dominant victory, and that party has expanded big time Mm -hmm. in the last four years. Ron DeSantis, what do you think, David? Well, I think, you know, I think Aaron uh, pointed pointed out very well. I think that the difference is, is you're looking at Florida versus New York State. You got true blue, you know, or true blue New York State, and, and he's doing very well down in a very red Florida area. All right. So he's doing good there. Um, I think he's done some great things in Florida. I still, with with Aaron, I, I look at my favorites are really Christy Noman. I'd like to see Tulsi Gabbard jump into the race. Um, I, I like a Tulsi. former Democratic candidate. I, yes. For president. Yes. But <clears throat> if you listen to her and listen to her while she was still a Democrat, still on the, with the Democratic Party, you listen to her. She wasn't a Democrat. She wasn't the Democrats that we know today that, that, the the you know far left. I think the Democrats would agree with you. She, You've got some I, agreement I, I, on that. I think that's why she's. I think that's why she came over to the Republican Party. But nonetheless, she is. She's. She was more Republican. She, she's Democrat. And and I like Tulsi Gabbard. Um, Ron DeSantis. Uh, he's, he's not a bad candidate. Uh, I will tell you that. I will. Ron DeSantis, Christy Nome, Nikki Haley, Tulsi Gabbard. If she jumps in, I think. Um, I think any one of those would be better than Trump. Are you and worried that the field is going to be big enough, though, that Trump can kind of divide and conquer then? Well, I'd be concerned that it's too big. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be concerned that it's that it, the field is too big and he will do what he's he, he's always done and he'll divide everybody and he'll he'll scoop up that that he's, that he's already base. Got a, he's already got the schoolyard bully nickname for Ron DeSantis. So you know, and does that stuff drive you and crazy? It drives me absolutely. It absolutely. What, what does he call him? Drives, sanctimonious. Yes. Or something? Yeah, it drives okay. me nuts because he did that through the, his whole campaign. And I got to tell you, one of the things that I was always taught when I when I started running for political be presidential, even at my level as a town supervisor, always be presidential. You know, there's, there's, you can't go out name calling and you can't put out vicious well, tweets. Can. No, you can't. It has you can't. It's wrong. It's worked. No, I'm sorry. It's wrong. It's just wrong. You don't go out calling people's name. Yeah, he got elected, but can he get reelected? If he, if, if, if he was to, to stop all that, <clears throat> you know, it, it wouldn't, well, first of all, it wouldn't be Donald Trump and he's never going to stop. I know. He and could stop and all that. I, will I tell could you, grow an arm I'm, out of my forehead. Lots I'm, of things could happen. I'll, I'll probably be criticized for this from the, for the far right faction of the, of the Republican Party, but Trump's a child. I'm sorry. He's, his skin is thin. He cannot take a hit when, he, when he's hit. You've, you've got to be able to take that and you've got to be able to move on. And we have, we have better choices. We need to move on to better choices to, to be able to bring this country and move it forward. Mark, Ron DeSantis. Well, let me go back to Nikki Haley. She's an ambassador. <laughs> <She's> got... <laughs> I think that's politics 101. Avoid the question yeah, and go don't, back don't to... Don't answer what you're asked. Just, <laughs> just answer whatever question you would like to have been <laughs> that's asked. That's right. As an ambassador, she's got experience on the international stage. And uh, as a governor, of course, she's got experience uh, in the executive uh, branch of government. I, I would love to hear uh, Ron DeSantis, and uh, I would be open to a Ron DeSantis candidacy. I'm not closed-minded. If he turns out to be the best option for the Republican Party, of course I would support him. But uh, my heart right now is with Nikki Haley. Again, I think it's time. I think it's time, and it would be wonderful if the Republican Party um, actually put 
the first uh, woman president in the White House. I'd be thrilled with that. Um, Mark, you talk a lot about wanting to see a country less divided. Yeah. And, you know, David's frustrated with the, the schoolyard <laughs> stuff and wants to get back to something that feels more presidential and more about leadership and understanding that we've got 330 million people and we're not going to all agree and that's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable with ideas, to be challenged. It's okay for that to happen in a classroom. It's okay for that to be happening in the public sphere. Um, and we have to be able to do that and respect each other, right? Why... Why do you think it has gotten this way? Because I, I think on the political left, they see the success that Donald Trump's had and they feel like, well, that's just people are going to emulate that now. That is you win the presidency. Everyone's going to copy that blueprint. Um, so, you know, when David says that's that doesn't work. I mean, I know what you're saying is that's not leadership is what you're really saying. But it did work for him. Are you worried that we can't get away from it? It's too far gone that people are going to emulate it. Or do you think that a different standard can can be set? Of course, a different standard can be set. We're thinking people. We're a thinking country. We can uh, we can reason through some of the things that we're facing, and reasonable people can disagree. I'll tell you this: my family is all, you know, I'm surrounded by Democrats, and we have some very um, detailed and robust discussions about various issues. And at the end of the day, I respect their opinion. Um, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're not. I happen to be the Alex Keaton. Uh, for those of you who don't know Family Ties, he was the, anyways. Um, You're showing your age. Bro. Yeah, I am showing my age. <laughs> age is just a number. It just keeps getting bigger, though. Um, so so uh, th the point is that um, in, in my family, we have these robust discussions. You know, the, the, the waitresses will come over to the dinner table and go, is everything okay? Yeah, you know, we're an Italian family. We have a difference of opinion. But at the end, I respect, understand, and love my siblings. And we don't always agree. But they love the country, they have a good point of view, and you have to listen. And regardless if it's left or right, we have to start listening to one another. It sounds so simple, but it is so true. Listen. Hear what the other person has to say. We're reasonable, thinking people. Let's work through things. We can do it. Um, we got a few minutes left, and I want to ask our guests when they think about the direction of the party, one of the most important, I mean, we've been talking a little bit about the horse race of politics, but I want to ask um, about the issues that matter most. And, and you know, our guests have <clears throat> talked about that. They've talked about understanding um, the separation of top-down and leaving as much space for local determinism, and that's important to our, our guests from their conservative perspective. What other issues do you think, not only the, the wider populace of voters cares about, but your party needs to be focused on right now. Mark. Oh, I, I would tell you that energy, energy drives this entire economy. And we need to move uh, to renewables and to green energy. But as a Republican and as a conservative, we have to do it in a way that leaves choice, that is intelligent, that does not force people to pay two and three times for transportation what they should be paying, two and three times for heating your house what you should be paying, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent more for goods that are delivered by, by truck. You know, when we start pushing the EVs and all those things that need to be done, we have to do it with an intelligent, reasonable approach. You cannot push, you know, a 50% growth factor in EVs and not have a grid to take care of it. So fr from that standpoint, 
as a conservative, leave us with some freedom and some choices for now until until such a point where we can actually make an intelligent transition to green energy. And I think Republicans specifically, forget conservatives for a second, Republicans specifically have to make sure that our community, our state, and our nation does this in an intelligent fashion or we're going to be in a lot of trouble. President Obama called it the all of the above approach to energy. And there were some folks in climate activism who are frustrated that he didn't push m- more quickly to jettison fossil fuels. Do you think that that was the Flag right the tape. President Obama was right. And all of the above approach. You cannot just dictate green energy. We do not have the capability to make the turn yet. In fact, let me ask you, put you, you on you the You don't think we can scale it up yet? Not yet. Now, let me ask you a question, Evan. Have yeah. you seen the plan that shows the expansion of the grid and what the capacity is that we need to handle the, uh, the, the houses going from natural gas to electric and cars going from uh, uh, um, uh, fuel, from gas to Oh, to I, I think scalability is, is an important question. I, I think there too. are people working on it. But, I mean, are, are have we— Have you seen anything? Could we get there next week? I have no idea. Could we get there in a year? I, it doesn't—I'm not the expert here. But you obviously. The specific question is: Have you seen anything that shows what the capacity is in the oh, plans to get there? Well, this is a little bit about making a choice. If the political will is to try to get there in five years versus saying, "Well, let's try in 50, then you would prioritize it, right? But I think what you're saying is: be careful of the overpromise that we could be there tomorrow, yes. because the result could have deleterious. Oh, effects. it'd be devastating. Absolutely, right. we need to plan it out, and I don't see anything in the way of a plan. Um, David, real quick here, issues that stand out to you that you want the party to focus on? Well, the, and, and for me, it's the it's the local party, and it's it, and for us, it is it's it's focusing on uh, public safety and the economy. Um, those are the two big things I think in Monroe County that are that are huge that people look at. Um, making sure that our communities, the best we can, is making sure that they're safe. A um, little bit to some extent out of our control right now um and some of us i know talking with the other supervisors across the towns we struggle to figure out what do we do at this point what we don't have enough law enforcement officers our courts can't our, our their hands are tied trying to do anything when it comes to public safety uh so it's, we're like you throw your arms up and say what do you do but you know we try and try and find anything we can to to help with with those issues in the economy again we can only focus and deal with the local economy. Our towns and villages in Monroe County, um, we've we've had tax stability. Um, we have not done anything to try and hurt people at the town levels. Um, all the tax uh, problems that we see are typically with your school districts and with the state. Um, so we've done, you know, we've tried to do our job there. And I think those are the things that we can do at the local level. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, we need to, we need to be able to recruit young energetic people who want to be part of the solution, who want to be a part of something, who want to run for office to be make a difference, not to work for themselves and make themselves, give themselves a, their picture in the newspaper or sit on connections with Evan Dawson. <laughs> we, we, want, we want people who are in it. Who doesn't serve, want that? Who, who serve people. <laughs> well, your colleagues have stolen most of your time, but real quick here, <laughs> what do you want to see the, the party focus on? I want to see the party focus on more people like me. You know, more minorities, more women, you know, getting them in here and, and becoming part of this, this great party of ours. You think it's happening? I do. I think we're, uh, we're, we're getting the ball rolling on that. 
Aaron Baker is vice chair of the Monroe County Republican Committee. It's nice having you here. Great seeing you. Thank you for being here. Uh, And and the chair is David Dunning, who's going to go back to his supervisor duties now. Thank you for being here, David. Thank you for having me. Nice having you. And the former Gatestown supervisor is the Republican candidate for Monroe County Executive, Mark Cassini. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Apparently the chair of the Nikki Haley campaign in New York State. (laughs) Unofficially. (laughs) From Rob and Megan and Evan, thanks for listening. We're back with you tomorrow on Member Supported Public Radio.